What's up, everybody? This is episode 150 of the Clappercast. I'm Burke, and joined with Sean again in person. Sean, how's it going? Pretty good. Just, you know, chilling on the couch here, getting ready for some, what do we got, the Central Division today? Yeah, yeah, go through them. Um, there's some highs and lows in this group, um, so I guess we'll, we'll kick it off with with uh, Arizona, everybody's favorite franchise. No absolute uh, haters on this club, so... Um, last year they finished with a 28, 40 and 14 record. They had 70 points. They had a 0.427, uh, points percentage. They finished seventh in the division and 27th in the league. So, uh, season to forget because they were also playing in a college barn. And not, uh, not the most impressive thing in the world. As much as, as much as the NHL and the players are, uh, being told to spin it to be a positive thing, it's, it's not working. <laughs> it's definitely not. It looks definitely really Bush League. And, uh, it's definitely been a bit of an off season to forget too, where there was a vote to basically, where was it in Tempe? Um, yeah, to, I think to have so. an arena and it, they voted no. And now they're having to try and find a new location. Which I think, I think one of the owners found a spot somewhere that some piece of land or something recently yeah i think it's but, i don't remember where but it's somewhere around the area yeah. and they have to kind of really develop it but it's it's getting close for the franchise before they kind of run out of time in in arizona when they don't have an arena past the next couple of seasons they're not going to be <clears throat> they're not going to be able to stay in a college arena for too many more years at the the amount that it's probably costing them yeah and it's a pretty bad look in, in ticket for, revenue anyways Pretty bad look for a uh, pro sports league to be playing in a college arena that has like what like a, a lower capacity than the Victoria WHL rink. I think. I think so. So, pretty pretty rough look. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not going to be making any like merch sales or anything too if there's nobody at the game and you know your concession and everything. Like <laughs> you're not making any money. Um, so yeah, I mean that that being said, it would be a bit of an experience to go watch a game there. I think it'd be kind of interesting, but I don't think well, it'd be it'd be like when the NHL does preseason tours across the country and plays in random random smaller barns. Yeah, it's across like hockey Canada. day in Canada or whatever. Yeah, like craft play. hockeyville or whatever, and they play like in some random rink in Nova Scotia. Yeah, <laughs> be the same thing. Yeah, but instead of being like cute and like you know <laughs> grassroots kind of game, it's like just bush league embarrassing this is a a normal hockey game yeah um so i mean there's kind of been a bit of other rumblings this uh off season for them and kind of the other big storyline is it looks like clayton keller is going to be their next captain which i think is probably a good call honestly i mean who else on that roster would even get it like kraus i don't like really they they don't have much staying power on on the roster lately there's a lot of turnover and keller is kind of the main the the main player that anyone would be able to pick on Arizona like if you're asked to name a player from the Coyotes it's probably going to be Keller yeah yeah and like he you know he two seasons ago now I guess he had that uh what was femur fracture or whatever yeah right at the and end then, of the season uh, came back something. and uh put on like some extra muscle and everything and just looked like stronger on his skates and everything and just really looked like a great player had a pretty under the radar like amazing season and um he's been very vocal this season like it, it, i don't know if it comes across as sincere or not but 
he's very vocal. Like, I love playing in Arizona. I want to be here. So it's very, it looks like he's been named captain, you know, just by like the way he's talking to the media now. Yeah. He's either being named captain, knows he's going to be, or is trying to be. Yeah. Like there's something where he's trying to take that leadership role, take that stand, make maybe, maybe that was a meeting with the coach. Like, Hey, we're, you know, you're in line to be the next captain. We want to see you be more like vocal. Maybe that's kind of part of the development. Yeah, definitely could be. But I mean, it's just, I've seen a, a, more than a few times now this off season where it's come up. So it's like, okay, we get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you are the, you like to be there. Um, even though your dad made a tweet that said you didn't. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. <laughs> it's like, um, shut up. But otherwise, I mean the, 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 so the coyotes have been, have been pretty busy, um, this off season. So, um, they've, they've brought in Alex Galchenyuk. I've got an asterisk next to that one. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, they brought in Sean Dersey, um, Nick Bugstad back, uh, Jason Zucker, uh, Zach Sanford, Alex Kerfoot. Um, they extended Matthias Michelli. I don't know if you, it's Michelli or Michelli. I think it's Michelli. I would say Michelli. It's like an Italian name, but I think he's Finnish, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Loki, one of the best passers out there. Um, they brought back uh, Troy Stetcher, and then they also signed Travis Dermott. So and one last is Matt Dumba. Right, yeah, that wasn't on my list here. That was a that um, was a later later yeah. off season one. Um, so they've brought in a, quite a, I don't know, a, I guess quite a mix of guys into their roster. A lot of depth, I see that as. Yeah, like no no real game changers, but it's kind of those midline players for the most part that the team kind of really lacked. Like their second, third, fourth lines the last couple seasons have been just a random grouping of nobodies. Yeah. And now they're actually going to have recognizable <clears throat> names on on those lines. Yeah. Um, I, I like some of these additions for sure. Um, it definitely feels kind of like volume shooting, um, just adding kind of everybody out there. Um, but their defense for sure looks like it's going to be better. Um, I really like Sean Dersey. I know he's not the greatest defensively, but I think that having him on their power play would be would be really good, you know, just kind of like a Gostas Bear type. Um, he's a casualty of a overloaded blue line in um, L.A. Um, I think he could be he could do well, like, on a power play with, with Keller. Oh, for sure. Um, and then, you know, depending on what they want to do, they could always trade him out. But I think he fits kind of their age of their core. Yeah, so he, yeah, I mean, he's kind of still on the younger end for a defender anyway. He's only 24. But um, looking at the rest of their defense, too, they don't have, like, that pure offensive guy. And that's kind of what Dursey is on the back end. Like, he's not, like you said, he's not the greatest defender. I think I heard a joke about him being, like, the best defender for either team <laughs> because he's either giving the puck up too much or he's putting up points for his own team. Well, I think it was the very first game of the season last year. He gave the he tried to make a stretch pass in overtime or something, and then it got, like, picked off and then they lost and then he got like benched for like five games or yeah, something like that something like that but um he's basically the default he's going to be their number one power play right you know to start um probably you know for any of you fantasy hockey players out there like keep an eye on him early on if you can snag him with a late round draft pick you'll probably put up a bunch of points just because he's going to be the main go-to guy yeah i think i think that's probably the case and then i think maybe like Valamaki might be the next kind of type of guy like that, but I think Jersey's definitely the one. Um, and then, yeah, you know, like Matt Dumba, uh, Stetcher, Dermott, um, 
you know, just kind of rounding out their D. I think like the only guy that like left from the, the blue line was um, they bought up Patrick Nemeth. I don't know if there's anybody else that kind of like left town from their um, blue line, but um, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I mean, they did, they did probably ice a bunch of AHL guys at yeah, times. It, it looks about the same. I think like they traded like Dyson Mayo to Vegas, yeah. like the the deadline last year. Yeah, maybe traded a couple guys out. Um, so bringing in some of this depth, you know, sounds like a good plan. And there's also just it seems kind of funny because there's just another Vancouver connection with with Stetcher and Dermot coming back, um, or Stetcher coming back and Dermot going there for the first time. Um, hopefully Dermot can kind of get back into the swing of things because it didn't really work for him in Vancouver and he got he had some really big injury problems. Yeah, he's he's still on IR at the moment. I don't know how long that's going to last. Doesn't really specify off top here. But um, you know he could be another solid just depth defender for them. I think he's he's always been okay. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of just never really found the right home. Yeah, kind of jumps around a lot just out of you know getting pushed out of the depth chart. Yeah, I think the injury really hit him in Vancouver for sure, and then in Toronto he's kind of in and out of the lineup. Um, and then yeah, they add another Leaf, uh, former Leaf Alex Kerfoot, um, which I think should be a okay move. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a game changer for them, but you know, like you said, kind I think you just kind of really nailed it with just depth. They look like a kind of a deep team maybe taking a run at looking like a team like uh the kraken where it's like we're gonna not maybe have that super high-end talent although keller is that guy um but have like three decent lines yeah exactly and like kerfoot on his own i mean he's you know a 30 to 40 point player in his past which is decent for what they're probably going to need him to be and i i think he's kind of like a a spark plug-ish type like he's a high volume player too i think he shoots it a lot i don't know i don't really recall his play style much i know he uh was just kind of a casualty at toronto with their with their cap being kind of what it is um but uh you know adding a guy like that and a guy like zucker i think um you know zucker likes to rip it too so um i think that that uh could be cool i think they they signed jason zucker to a longer term deal didn't didn't they um he's actually just got a one year oh i thought they signed one of these guys to a one year to a longer deal maybe i'm mixing that up with uh somebody else but um actually on that on that note every single one of their defenders is expiring after the season they don't have a single defender signed past this upcoming year. Just as an interesting aside on that. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> either they're they're trying to go for a bit of a more competitive team, or they're just looking to dump guys off at the deadline again. I mean, it, they don't even have a rink, so maybe they're doing the whole just get draft picks and then hope that by the time those draft picks are available to play in the NHL, that they actually have everything kind of figured out. Well, I mean, they just had how many picks in the this draft? This next one, they have like nine picks in the first four rounds. Then the draft after, they've got seven in the first three, and then six in the first three. Yeah, and they just drafted the two Russian guys, right? That played on the same team. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, 
they're they're probably looking at a like a five year plan at this point um, to get back into the swing of things. But and that's kind of the right way to handle that because they they were decimated. Like they had nothing in terms of players and like quality of prospects. Yeah. Like after they kind of had a couple of good years, like they didn't have anything to to show for it. After they didn't really yeah. do very well at retaining any of that or developing and drafting players. So at this point, like just accumulate as many prospects as you can because then some of them are going to work out and then you also just have a whole bunch of trade chips. Yeah, and, you know, like I think it was last year, what was who is it, um, Barrett Hayden? Looked like he finally kind of took the next step when he was playing on that top line with uh, Keller and Schmaltz or Kraus. Yeah, um, there is a stretch at the end of the season that he actually started putting up a lot of points. He ended up with 43 points in, in 82 games last season. But I, I remember there was a stretch at the end of the year where it was like fantasy hockey managers pick up Barrett Hayton because he's putting up like a point every game, basically. Yeah, they look like a really good line at the end of the season. So hopefully they can uh, kind of keep that going and at least give fans in the desert something to kind of look forward to. Yeah. Um, you know, at least see some creativity in the yeah. offensive and zone. It does look like I would assume that Logan Cooley's. Gonna, probably cracking the line yeah up, probably yeah. gonna be on this team which is like he's one of the most highly touted prospects in the league right now so that's gonna be another uh another offensive weapon to toss him on the second line with zucker or something yeah they got him in the uh chikrin deal was that the draft pick that they got for that trade or was that uh um i think that was their own hmm. okay yeah because that would have been probably last year not this year um either way yeah they've, they've got some younger players you know they've got they're looking to make kind of a new new expanded core uh, something to, to kind of turn the page when they get their new rink have a team that's ready to go um anyway i mean the other guys that left um mentioned patrick nemeth uh zach cassian also got bought out and uh, alex galchenyuk so he was an addition and a subtraction this off season uh, because he ran into some pretty public legal problems. Um, so he came, said hello, and then left. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted looking at something else. But um, Alex Galchenyuk. Yeah, that was that was an interesting week of that. I think I just saw that he he did sign in Russia. I think he got loaned to the KHL from whatever team he was last associated with in the NHL. Yeah, so I mean, he very quickly found a place to go play for next season. I think, I think I saw. Did you mention like I think all of the charges, but one got dropped. Uh, I didn't mention any specifics, but yeah, I think he yeah, was already from, out of the country or something, right? Yeah. From from his incident, like all of the charges, but one got dropped, and then I don't I didn't look at the specifics, but yeah, it sounded like just a really unfortunate yeah I don't know combination um, of events for him. So hopefully he's yeah, hopefully he's you know doing okay. Enjoy Russia. Um, so yeah, I mean I think overall, do you think that the Arizona Coyotes got better, worse, the same? I think they got significantly better. Yeah, um, just just by adding more recognizable names to their roster, um, 
I don't know if it's going to lead to much of a performance increase because one, because the division's tough, and two, because it's hard to just add players and expect them to have chemistry right away, especially when a bunch of them are younger or prospects or you know kind of working their way into the NHL. Yeah, but then, you know they did get better, and they should be a lot tougher to to compete against this coming season. Yeah, yeah. I guess when we were talking about uh, the, their D line last year, Chikrin is obviously not going to be there. So that was probably the biggest difference. Um, although he did have some health in- issues, and they did hold him out of the lineup long enough that it didn't really look like he was even on their roster. Yeah, anymore. he ended up getting held out for a couple of weeks or a few it weeks. Was or a, it was like a month or something. It was, yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, anyway, we'll move on. Um, I would agree that they got they got better. Um, move on to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, they finished with a 26-49-7 record last year. Had 59 points, a .36 points percentage. Finished last, 8th in the division, and 30th out of 32 in the league. Um, obviously, the big news for Chicago was that they won the lottery for the number one pick and ended up with uh, Connor Bedard. Nobody um, liked that. Yeah, so that was a bit of a disappointment um, for fans in the league, basically, um, as you know, a result of Chicago being really kind of, I don't know, like persona non grata with their, uh, you know, scandals that have come to light. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. They got Connor Bedard. Um, you know, you can think if it's rigged or, or whatever because of the timing with their two other superstars kind of leaving the team and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Um, and then another another new guy comes right in. Um, so that's kind of the big storyline for them is bringing in Connor Bedard and then just bringing in all these old guys to uh, <laughs> play with give him them, or get bought out. <laughs> yeah, give them one final like massive paycheck, like getting Felino and Perry for four million dollars each. Yeah, for a season like there's there's no way that either of them are turning that down. No, yeah, they, I mean, they get what league minimum if they went anywhere else. They have a lot of cap space, but they kind of burned through it pretty quick with you know dishing out some of these contracts, but. Also, you know, um, Corey Perry is a guy that won, um, what, Art Ross or, uh, what did he win? Um, he's got, um, some hardware and has, you know, he won a Stanley Cup very early in his career, um, has had a very lengthy career, um, has played with a lot of different players, can probably impart some of that, you know, professionalism um, to Connor Bedard. Um, I know Corey Perry is, uh, you know, hated a lot in a lot of fan bases, but I mean, say what you want. He's been successful. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, Nick Foligno has been a captain in the league. Um, again, um, you know, impart wisdom upon, uh, you know, a a generational talent type of guy, Connor Bedard. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, they like sandpaper guys too. They can be, you know, physical out there. Um, and then they bring in uh, Taylor Hall, um, presumably to play with Connor Bedard. Um, so we'll see how that goes. 
Uh, they also acquired Josh Bailey, and I think they immediately bought him out. I believe so, as he's not on there. Yeah, he's in the bio history. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Jonathan Taves is. Uh, he said that he's all but hanging them up <laughs> yeah. in a weird sort of retirement but not retirement announcement. I think his intention. He. It sounds like he's done with Chicago. They're not bringing him back, even if he comes back and plays in the NHL again later on. Because he made like a farewell post to the city on on Instagram, but um, it sounds like he's still struggling with <clears throat> side effects or the the long COVID stuff that's been bothering him since the bubble playoffs, I think. Yeah, and he's intending on taking like the the year off and then trying again next season. Yeah, we'll see how so that. I works. wouldn't expect to see him. Maybe he pops up somewhere at the trade deadline as a late signing. Maybe. I mean, yeah. It's, um, I mean, he's what, 35? Or is he younger than that? Um, 07, so he's about 35, 36, I think. Um, where is he? <clears throat> 34. Uh, 34 as of like February. So, yeah, he's yeah, probably 35. So, at this point in your career, like taking a year off. And then being ready to play in the NHL at the end of that year, I'd, and having like chronic fatigue and chronic immune issues and stuff, like I don't know if it's realistic to expect him to come back at this point. But we'll see. I mean, hopefully he can, you know, get over those those problems in his personal life at the very least. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's really plausible to see him come back but not likely but i mean at the same time brandon sutter just got a pto in edmonton and he's kind of similar like similar age similar um situation as tave so yeah it's not a contract it's just a pto but you know i wouldn't be the least bit surprised if taves feels better to see him pop up somewhere because a player of his caliber yeah i mean at least like bring him in to win face-offs or something yeah like team might go send him out to win the face-off and then immediately jump jump onto the bench to change yeah we'll see i mean i think there was like a maybe this wasn't the rumor but it was like fans of the team wanted it to happen but um winnipeg because i think he's from winnipeg so yeah fans were saying like oh like come on hopefully yeah, he signs on with the with the jets um but the jets are kind of we'll talk about them yeah um later but on. other than jonathan taves i think is what uh like what ian mitchell left and uh I think that might be really Domi. It. But he got traded. He got the traded the deadline. Um uh deadline. Yeah, I mean like the fact is yeah. like their team it's basically Connor Bedard and um Seth Jones and Taylor Hall, Andreas Athanasiu. I guess uh Jujar Kara is not there anymore either. He's not signed yet. Mm. But um yeah, that's it's they don't have much of a roster. Connor Murphy, you know, yeah, like he's a solid guy. But other than that, and they've also got some guys that may be involved in the Hockey Canada scandal. There's a couple guys who were on that team. I think it's Kachuk and Radish. But uh, um, so no, that, yeah, it's all speculation. As it's of all speculation, point. but they may or may not be involved. Yeah. So. Um, but you know um, they 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 looked like kind of bright spots for them. But if they were involved and they get suspended, obviously 
they need to be suspended, but um, it impacts their roster and leaves a huge hole yeah. there. So they're, I think they've added what they can to kind of surround Bedard with like these veterans. Um, you know, like a guy like Taylor Hall, I think really makes sense, like a first round pick. Well, you know, yeah, he's a former first overall pick as well. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see because when Hall was in Edmonton with McDavid's rookie year, the two of them were tried on a line together and they never really meshed because they're both players who thrive when they have the puck. So it'll be interesting to see if the dynamic can change because I imagine Bedard's going to be, I don't know, I haven't watched him too closely, but I imagine Bedard's the same type of player where he controls the play with a puck on his stick. Yeah, he's not going to thrive as well if he's not like in control of the puck. And Taylor Hall was kind of the same way at the time. So it's been a lot of years since then, and by all accounts, it sounds like Hall's done a lot of growth and maturing and and developing his game in other ways. Like he doesn't get completely annihilated at the blue line every other game anymore. <laughs> but um, you know, it'll be an interesting dynamic there to see how that plays out. It was a smart move for Chicago to get him because at least now they have somebody with some offensive pedigree to put with Bedard because otherwise their top line would have been like Bedard with Tyler Johnson and Andreas Athanasiu. Yeah. Like, what? what's that going to do? Mm-hmm. So at least Taylor Hall's got some offensive pedigree there. Um, I don't... Uh, it's going to be rough going for, for Bedard, I think. Yeah. Just looking at this roster, he's... <laughs> he's not going to have much support and it's going to be kind of one of those weird cases where it's like, here, we're going to bring in this, this like highly touted first overall pick, but then they don't surround him with anything assembling an NHL roster. Yeah. It's probably going to be a lot like Govechkin coming into Washington. Like they, I mean, I think Washington's team might've been slightly better than well, Washington had a couple of good players. I think was that when Bondra and stuff was still there. Well, it was at the very end of Bondra's career basically. Yeah. And like, I don't even know if Kolzig was still even in net, but they didn't have a great team. They don't think they made no. playoffs for a while. Um, or look at, you know, Edmonton. Well, that was the example right? I was thinking of is literally when Taylor Hall came into Edmonton. Yeah. Well, we've got this this highly touted, not to the same level by, mind you, but like this highly touted first overall pick. We'll bring him into the roster, and then they don't have anything really to surround him with. They'll just kind of give, acquire a bunch of random vets. And, and yeah, I mean, I think I think you're you're right. It's gonna be rough for Bedard, and I don't. It. I mean, like if you think about like first overalls coming in, the probably the ideal situation was in P- Pittsburgh, with Crosby coming in and like living at Lemieux's house. Mm-hmm. That's probably the ideal thing like you have a superstar coming in generational talent lives with number two number three all time um just to to have that mentorship yeah the continuation um and then i I think again like i think that team i don't know was it the first year crosby came in that they made the finals or was it the year after it was like his third season okay because they they were pretty rough 05, I think. 06, 06, 07, then 07, 08, 08, 09 were the two detroit yeah. pittsburgh so it was so, the third year they made the final yeah i, I think it's going to be a rough going for yeah. bedard because it's like he's not gonna be capable of winning games on his own and there's nobody there that's like you know it's not sid and malkin and you know it's just it's just bedard yeah. like there's nobody there 
especially on forward. Like, well, if, there's no, there isn't even like much of an offensively minded defender to help feed him the puck. Like Seth Jones is. Well, I mean, there's that video from it. last season of like Kane on the power play, like skating kind of at the hash marks in the offensive zone, and he like tries to pass it back to the blue line, and Seth Jones is like way out at their own blue line. Have you seen that? <laughs> no, but and Patrick Kane is yelling at him like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> Um, so that's not going to help it out at all. No, I think like, you know, if, if Patrick Kane, like, I mean, I think it was the right move to trade Kane and just get something for him because he wanted to be moved. But ideally you would have liked one of those guys to stick around next season, Taves or Kane to pass the torch and at least take them under your wing for a season before they go. Like, yeah, I don't know. It seems, seems pretty wild to me that, there's literally nobody there except for newcomers to the team to show him what's what's it like. Yeah. I mean there's yeah, there's Seth Jones and Connor Murphy and blah blah blah, but there's nobody there who's like a Chicago Blackhawks legend, you know? Like who 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 would you pick on that team that's like the most tenured Blackhawk? Right? Like they're a Tyler team of Johnson. <laughs> like they're a team like he's been there for literally. a year. And then he even, he, I think he's been there for maybe two, but he had like his back broken or something like that, his spine. He had spinal issues and been out of the lineup for a long time. But I think it's Connor Murphy is the guy who's been there the longest probably. Um, and he's a great player. I love him. In, um, oh, yeah, Connor in, Murphy for sure. He's got, this is like his seventh season in Chicago. But, I mean, you wouldn't say that he's a, he's ready or should be the guy to take first overall Connor Bedard under his wing. No. But I mean weirder mentorships have happened in the league, so you never know. Um but it seems like a very like a patchwork of free agents and it's not gonna be a great situation to bring him in. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I mean hopefully he has a great career but it's not gonna be pretty for the first no I, couple I of years. don't think so. Do you think do you think he's going to make a difference in the team's performance? Do you think they're going to do any better? Um, I mean, I think he'll probably be able to like bounce some pucks in off of Andreas Athanasiu's face or something <laughs> and like maybe get a couple more goals and like maybe a bit something for fans to be excited about, but I don't think they're going to move up in the standings. I think they're no. still going to be in the mix for no. the the lottery next year. Yeah, because uh, their their closest competitor in the, in the division is Arizona, and Arizona clearly got like, better. Our guys got, and our eyes got better, and we're already better than Chicago was mm-hmm. last year. I think that also comes down to coaching in Arizona. Um, I think they who's who's the coach's name? It's French Canadian guy, uh, Andre Torini. Yeah, he did a good job of like getting a little bit more out of the team. Yeah. Whereas I think in Chicago it was like. We don't want to get more out of the team. Yeah, we want to be committed to the tank. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think they're going to be better. I think they. I don't mean it's hard to get worse than thirtieth. But <laughs> well, now you can get thirty second. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, let's just like if you look at like cap friendly at like their roster, right? It's like look at if you look at their depth chart. It's like a projected top line of like. Paul Bedard, uh, currently Taylor Radish. And then Kurashev, Reichel, Athanasiu, Ryan Donato, Jason Dickinson, Tyler Johnson, Nick Foligno, Cole Gutman, Corey Perry, and then who they got left over, Boris Kachuk. He'd be in the lineup somewhere. Um, Colin Blackwell, 
and then like what other prospects do they have to speak of like Colton Doc it's it's gonna be a rough one yeah. for sure and even if they do have prospects that are ready to come into the NHL it's gonna be a lot of minutes and, a, and too much for them mm-hmm. so I think that these free agents are probably just like holding the line until they can get you know where they want to be but even at like four million for these uh veterans it's like i think this is these are the ones maybe where they sign them to longer deals right are they all one year they should be i i would hope so they should be but are they (laughs) Yeah, one year, one year. Because, I mean, who's who's even going to be buying that at at fifty percent retained if they can retain? You know. Yeah, it's like especially yeah, because that's still going to be a teams lot. Teams are under the cap gun right now, and then at the deadline, they're not going to be able to take on two million. No. So, unless Chicago takes on the, a huger cap hit, and it's money in, money out deal. But, yeah, yeah, that would work. I don't know. I, I think they're going to be worse, personally. Although, like I said, it's going to be hard to be worse than they were, but especially within the division. Like, the division, I think a lot of teams got better. Mm-hmm. And then they and left they, Chicago behind. Yeah. Right now. So, it'll be fun to see what Bedard can do, but it's not going to be pretty to see where the team is. Yeah, I think that's yeah that's that's the most accurate way to put it. So hopefully Chicago fans um, are patient with Bedard and don't um, you know personally blame him for not turning their franchise around immediately. Because even you know, even adding Gretzky to that team wouldn't make them instantly better. Like not just Gretzky. <laughs> yeah, like it it it. I mean, Gretzky left. Or Gretzky got traded out of Edmonton and then they won a cup again. So it's like, yeah, it wasn't just, they have a great supporting cast too, but LA didn't win a cup <laughs> with, with Gretzky. So it's like, it's not just one guy. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. So we finished, uh, the, the kind of the bottom two, I think of, uh, this division just right off the bat. And take, last, care of the, take care of the bot, the worst. First. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll kind of flip gears here and move to the top end. Uh, so Colorado, they finished last year with a fifty-one twenty-four and seven record, one hundred nine points, uh, six sixty-five points percentage, and finished first in the division and sixth in the league. So pretty good season for them, um, coming off of you know the cup win the year before, um, and uh, got knocked out in the first round in the Seattle Kraken's first ever yep. uh, playoff appearance. Not exactly the ideal way to defend the cup in the playoffs, but um, I think the way that the team ended up being built for those playoffs run, for that playoff run, didn't end up, it wasn't really conducive to long-term success. Because yeah. they, they struggled hard at times in the regular season. There was stretches where they were out of the playoffs. And then they just got hot at the end once McKinnon and McCarr were consistently back in the lineup. But that just speaks to 
the one season that they win the cup is the one that they go and have a whole bunch of depth. Cause that was the, that was a criticism for years against them was that they didn't have the depth to go deep in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of depth one year. They win the cup, they lose a bunch of that depth and then they get knocked out in the first round. Yeah. So the big changes, like they, they've worked on that depth again. They've brought in a fair amount of offensive depth. They bring in Ryan Johansson. They bring in Ross Colton. They bring in Miles Wood. They bring in Jonathan Drewen. And those are four midline forwards that are going to be better than what they had last season, I imagine. And they also add um, an element of physicality. Like They're all bigger players, I think. I mean, Johansson, Colton, and Wood are bigger players. Colton's quite a physical player as well. He's He does a little bit of everything. And that's just going to help them flesh out the middle of their, their roster bit because... You know, McKinnon and McCarr have missed decent amounts of time through the regular seasons the last couple of years, I think. Mm-hmm. And as soon as those two are out of the lineup, they struggle to score and they become one of the like lower scoring teams in the league. So they need to find a way to counter that or to have a contingency plan and not rely just on the top line because they're already missing Landis Cog, I think, for all of next season. I think so, yeah. And he missed all of this last season. Um, so yeah, that cup run definitely sent them back a bit um, because you know the, they had guys that were on expiring deals like Kadri that you know went elsewhere. They lost Burakovsky, um to Seattle. Um, they lost a guy like Donskoy in the original expansion draft. Um, yeah, so they, they've definitely lost some some talent up front. I think guess one of the several linings is that they um, they were able to keep uh, Lekin in. Mm-hmm. Um, who looked like he has great chemistry on that team. Um, and so, yeah, I think that they, they've really kind of targeted the, the depth issue. Now, the only issue is, like, I think, like, their center depth looks a little kind of suspicious still. Like, if, if Ryan Johansson doesn't pan out, it's... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he's still capable of being a second-line center. I think... He had a down year last year after, like, a pretty decent one the year before, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess they got him for basically for free, right? We'll say it's a down year. 28 points in 55 games. Paced out over a whole season. I think that's in between 40 and 50 points. So, not awful for a second liner. You want to look at, you know, that's not terrible. You'd probably want more on a higher scoring team, but it's also not completely out of, out of the realm of what's acceptable for a second line forward. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I think uh, Druin played with uh, McKinnon, I think, in junior. Yeah, I think right? McKinnon pushed hard to get them to bring in Druin. I think they had huge chemistry in their junior days. Yeah. So that, that could be an interesting fit on that on the top line with McKinnon and Rantanen, is to toss Druin on there and see if they can rekindle some of that old magic. Yeah, why not, right? Um, they also brought in... Um... <laughs> Sorry, 100... I'm assuming these are the same years McKinnon was there, but uh, 105 points in 49 games, 108 points in 46 games. For Halifax? For for uh, Halifax, that was Druin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Um, junior numbers are insane. Um, it's also the Q. They get a lot of points there. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if that works out. And then the one kind of thing that I think people are a little bit suspicious of too is the Miles Wood contract. It's uh, a long-term one. At least it's not very much per year, but it's long-term. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they've added Frederick Olofsson, who was with Dallas last year. Um, Jack Johnson coming back. Um, they lost Eric Johnson. 
Um, he went to one for Buffalo, one. I think, right? Um, Lars Eller, who they added at the trade deadline for some reason. Um, <laughs> Evan Rodriguez is out. Darren Helm, I think, um, retired. And then uh, Alex Newhook, they traded him to Montreal. So, yeah, just kind of the supporting cast is kind of shaking it up. And I think... I think the changes they made, I think they did improve on what, on the players you've listed as, as leaving. I think they've replaced them fairly well. Yeah, I would say that they, they got mildly better. Um, there's some players with some more upside there, um, for sure. Um, but I think, yeah, kind of pin it. Uh, depends on that second-line center spot because since Kadri's left they've never really had a good solution there so i think last year they had like comfort working in that spot a bit and we'll have to see how ryan johansson meshes in there Mm -hmm. because if that doesn't work they're going to have the same issue i don't think there's really anybody else that can slide in there no because really after that i mean in terms of players with center it's it's Drewan's got central eligibility on cat friendly, but you know, do you want to split him up and put him on his own line like that? And then you look down to Ross Colton, who's yeah. not a second line center. Yeah. So it's a risk. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's a cheap one, but if it doesn't pan out, they might be kind of in the same old spot of reliant upon their stars. Yep. Um, so they, and like last year, they only beat Dallas for first in the division by one point. So they're going to be, um, I think, in tough this season to finish first in the division again. I think so. I think that's, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Dallas in a minute here, but I think that's given given the state of the teams and where they are in their in their development cycles, that'll be a pretty close race. How do you feel about their goaltending? They left it the same, Alexander Georgiev and uh, Pavel Francos. But I, I think Georgiev had a really good year for them. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know how Francois did. Um, um, his numbers weren't significantly worse than Georgiev. Okay. So Fran- uh, Georgiev, two fifty three goals against average, nine eighteen save percentage, but he had a forty and sixteen record. And then Francois, two sixty one goals against, nine fifteen save percentage, but his record was eight and seven. So not significantly worse numbers. Yeah. Um. That the rec- the difference in in winning percentage is interesting. Yeah, there's teams that for whatever reason just play way better behind a different goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I can't remember who it was, but um, there's lots of times where that happens, where it's like just for whatever reason the team just sucks in front of one guy, and just it doesn't seem to really be the goalie's problem. It's just yeah, they feel it- more confident in front of another goalie or something i don't know that's an interesting like chemistry mm-hmm. where certain certain goalies just don't mesh with certain team styles or like the way that the goalie plays just doesn't work with the way the defense plays and they just end up leaving holes and stuff way too often yeah i mean i don't know how to explain it because like the if like the save percentage and stuff isn't super off but it's like maybe it's rebounds like the rebound control he's not he's not kicking it to the same place that the defenseman is expecting it to go or something or maybe he's not talking as much or the same language or whatever yeah. as yeah. the as the other the starter um 
but yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things that you can see sometimes in hockey. It's like, you know, the the difference in talent level might not be huge, but just for whatever reason they play better in front of a different goalie. Um, which is just goalies are just black magic, so who knows how that works. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that they're probably right to do that because it seemed to be working just fine last year. Um, and like this year, like their defense isn't like that different. It's like Jack Johnson in Eric Johnson. Yeah. Out. That, that's about the same. Um, they've got some really great defensemen. Um, so like they've probably, they've got the, they've got the best pairing I, in yeah. the league. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so I think that they're probably okay to to keep their goaltending the same. Um, and I don't think there was really, like, a huge availability of, like, anybody that would be, like, a huge improvement for, like, similar cost. Um, although I think moving forward, they might be smart to kind of snag someone like i think like if i'm a man general manager right now one thing i'm keeping a close eye on is like kachetkov yeah like if he gets frustrated because apparently there was a thing that came out like yesterday or something and it was like carolina had like a bit of a spat with their ahl team because they don't have their own they ha- they go through like the chicago wolves or something mm-hmm. and so like the the coach of the chicago wolves was playing Alex Lyon or something instead of Kachekov. And so the Hurricanes were mad because they wanted Kachekov to get ice time. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, not your team. It's not your team. So they're going to play to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if he gets like upset, maybe you try and yeah sneak him or something. You know, Colorado is a good enough team that they could probably make up for that difference in like Carolina making goalies look so much better. Mm-hmm. Like Colorado is good enough that they can probably cover that. Yeah. Or maybe they also look, make goalies look better. Yeah. I mean, look at Grubauer, right? Like when Grubauer went to Seattle, I mean, had a great defense in front of him and then a not as great defense in front of him and looked awful. Yeah. And on that note too, Georgiev, you know, average ish back up in New York. We're all kind of like, why does he think he's starter worthy? Yeah. Goes to Colorado and puts up incredible numbers in his first like full season as a starter. Yeah, and was vocally wanting out and wanting more opportunity and was stuck behind Shesterkin and wasn't getting it. So uh, maybe if Kachekov does the same thing, they were like, "Hey, you know what? We've already got a Russian goalie that you know you might like." And I don't know. Anyway, I think that yeah, that probably looked like at least get some more depth and goaltending down the road. But I think for right now, it's probably an okay move to keep it the same. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like I kind of said, I don't think they're going to, they're going to be in tough at least to finish first in the division. Anything's possible, but um, I think they're definitely going to be in contention for playoffs um, and probably in the top, like in the top of the division, but maybe not first. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? I think they'll probably do about the same as they did last year. Um, it It's hard to say where they'll finish because that's all dependent on how the other teams do, but I think they'll yeah. be about the same as they were. So that could end up winning the division again. That could end up being second. Like, hell, if it's a tough division, maybe in third. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's a same. good way to look at it because, yeah, I don't see them, like, having a significantly different 
record, but like another team might surge ahead of them. Exactly. Which I think this next team might. Um, so next up is Dallas. Uh, so Dallas last year, um, as I mentioned, finished second in the division, and they had a 47-21-14 record. So it's interesting because Colorado had a 51-24-7 record and finished one point in front of Dallas. So Dallas has this thing where they just refuse to win overtime or shootouts, and it's been kind of a pain in their ass for a few years now. I think they missed playoffs after going to the cup finals in 2020 because they lost so many mm-hmm. um and it's just they can't they can't do it i don't know what it is um but anyway they, they finished 108 points um with double the ot losses uh six five nine points percentage and they were eighth in the league um and they look like they got <laughs> more depth this off season. Um, and there's, there's some kind of some changes that are noteworthy. So they took advantage of Matt Duchesne getting bought out by Nashville and signed him to a pretty reasonable contract. Um, and it's just a one year kind of show me type deal. Yeah. One mil, three million or one year, three million. Um, they extended dead So they kept him around. And they brought in Craig Smith, and they signed Gavin Bayreuther for some depth D. And then um, Domi left. Um, and if you watched them in playoffs last year, it was like they, they, I don't know, they had a good mix of like off the rush and kind of cycle scoring, but um, they were really reliant upon their top guys. Mm-hmm. And so I really like them adding Duchesne. I think it's a really smart move. Um, to, to bring him in because he, I think he would complement their lineup and it just kind of fits their team identity a bit because they've kind of got like a mix of like really good young players and then they've got like veterans who are also at least last year putting up pretty good numbers. So they've got a good mix of like vets and, and young guys and speed and like maybe more cycle so I think it's a good move. Um, and I I think the only real question mark that I have is who's going to play with Haskinen on D. Um, because they did not buy out Ryan Suter, as I think a lot of fans wanted after that playoff. Um, and they haven't really made any big changes to the blue line. No, it looks it looks the same. The only real change i think is perhaps a more consistent roster spot for uh harley mm-hmm. in the on the blue line because he really had a coming out party in playoffs um looked looked pretty good and then do they play uh nils lundqvist more because he didn't play any time in playoffs so if they take the chance to maybe trim down suitors games played and maybe get some of these younger guys in the roster i'd be happy with that yeah because then you just have more room i mean for for lindell to take over a little bit of that you've got like if Hart, you know like harley did decent and then you had that great play great time in the playoffs would be you know kind of an interesting combination there to to give him a chance on that pairing too yeah 
Yeah, because you look at Colorado and it's like they've got Taves and Makar. Like that's a like I said, like we said, best mm-hmm. pairing in the league probably. And then look at Dallas and it's like they've got. I think they've got a top five D man, but he doesn't have a good enough partner to look like a super strong blue line. Yep. Like if Suter gets bumped down to third pairing, sure, maybe that's all right. But who's going to be jumping up to play with Miro? Because it's got to be somebody good to play against, like Nathan McKinnon and, you know, yeah. some of these guys in the division or outside of the division, like top-end players. Um, so while I like the additions that they made, it's like I still see them having a bit of a bit of a hole there in their top pairing. Um but that being said, I do think that they're going to be in the mix for first in the division just because of offense. Yeah, and that's, pardon me, that was kind of like the, the key theme of last season is that the Stars were finally able to score. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talked about the moves they brought in offensively. They basically just brought in an entire third line. Yeah. You know, it, essentially you can just put Duchesne, Dodonov, and, and Smith as your third line and you've got one of the better groupings of offensive potential in the league for, from, from a third line. Yeah. They had a, a pretty solid top six last year where you've got, uh, you know, Robertson hints, Pavelski, um, Pavelski, if he keeps defying kind of age should look like he plays there again and just gets a million tip in deflection goals. Um, and then they had like, they had Jamie Ben playing with, I think, Dodonov and Wyatt Johnston. That's currently slated in as their second line. And you know Johnston's going to be going into his second season. And he did actually. He did. He, he did pretty damn. He good. did really good. Like um, he played really well. But it's it, does he have a sophomore slump? Mm-hmm. I think if he does, they're kind of well built and forward that they could slot somebody else in there. Yeah, and the. The interesting part about the way Dallas utilizes their forwards is that they don't have like one line taking so as much ice time as other teams. It's more like they roll four lines, like that that top line you talked about, um, Robertson, Hinson, Pavelski. Like they all played seventeen, eighteen minutes a game. Yeah, which is lower than it's you low would for expect. a first line. Yeah. So if they're playing, you know, top line eighteen, the other three lines fifteen, fifteen, twelve, or something. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lot more. You're you're a lot more able to find coverage if like oh this line's quiet or this player's slumping. You're a lot more able to find coverage and jump, yeah, other players and other lines around. Yeah, I think they've got a good mix of like their like their top nine. I think is pretty solid. Um, you know, like Tyler Sagan's kind of settled into like a more of a support role. Um, I think like that third line might be like Marchman, Sagan, and um, I don't know maybe maybe Duchesne's on that line or something. But anyway, I think that they've, they've got a good mix of forwards. I think they'll be able to score still. Um, I, I, I struggle with that top pairing because mm-hmm. I love Miro Haskinen, but I really, really want him to have a better um, D partner because he deserves one. <laughs> Get it. Get him one Dallas. Yeah. Don't waste this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Suter needs to just take a step back and like play third pairing, like like you know I'm comparing it to a team that I know 
probably be better than Dallas, but um, Washington, when they won the cup, they had Orpik like playing with juice, like a third pairing. Mm-hmm. You know, that was his role. He's the old man. He's playing hard minutes, but not too many minutes, mm-hmm. right? And then when you saw Dallas in playoffs, Suter was playing too many minutes and getting taken advantage of because he was looking lost out there because he was fatigued. Mm-hmm. It's clear. And then they played Haskin in too much because Suter couldn't keep up with them. So they got to figure that out. I don't know how, but they got to, um, they, they need to. Um, and I think that's going to bite them in playoffs if they don't. Like if they finish first in the division and they enter playoffs, I think that that lack of a partner is going to, is going to hurt them. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I do like their chances of regular season success. Um, in this division, I think I think they do take a step back this season. I don't think they'll be bad or anything, and they'll still easily make the playoffs. But I do think they regress just a little bit, and I think some of it's just going to come with like some of those older players. The vets had a good season. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe that was just flash in the pan, just like Jamie of, Ben point y- per game. Yeah, <laughs> you know they're going to lose some of that, and I mean. Pavelski's defying the clock right now. How long does that last? Yeah. I think some of the players are just going to take a bit of a step back. Like their defensive depth, you talked extensively, is not ideal. Yeah. And despite having like one of the best goalies in the league, they can only cover for so much. So I do think they take a bit of a step back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I think Jamie Benn had like a insanely good season last year. I think he was maybe over a point per game um, playing with. Johnston and I think largely Dodonov near the end of the season. Um, but like guys like Mason Marchman had like a pretty bad season. Um, so yeah, I can see where you're coming from on that. Um, I just think that even if like say Jamie Ben does regress, which is likely, um, I think you could probably slot Duchesne in there and have more of a skill line and, uh, you don't risk, him cross-checking someone in the neck as much <laughs> um so yeah i guess there's there's obviously risk involved matt duchene might not be able to play up to maybe where fans would like him to um but i think there's a good chance that he does kind of turn it back around um because nashville <laughs> the last year like had some pretty big injury issues and then just all of his regular line mates I think were all out of the lineup at times and they didn't really have a great year um it's just you know kind of the Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg show there now and Saros and Forsberg was out of the lineup near the end of the year so and you know they traded guys out and everything so I don't know. I think uh, I think they I think they'll do pretty good. I think they'll probably be at least um, close to where they are now. But I do think that they do get a little bit better. Um, anyway, we'll move on. Minnesota Wild. Last year they finished finished forty six twenty five and eleven with one hundred and three points, so five points behind Dallas with a point six two eight points percentage. Third in the division and eleventh in the league overall. Um, 
for the life of me, I can't see them adding anyone else this offseason except for Pat Maroon. They might have made some minor tweaks here and there, but that's the only one that really jumps out at me. Um, and they lost uh, Matt Dumba and uh, John Klingberg, who they brought in at the trade deadline. And I think that that's pretty much it. That looks, that's the only different name. I mean, Brock Faber is a different name, but he played the last two games of, of last season. And I think fans are excited about him coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, he, he's he's the guy who was like, there's a picture of him sitting front row. Yeah, like last, the season before last, he was like in attendance at a game in playoffs. And then this season he was playing for them. Yeah, so, so Minnesota native, that's going to be fun for them to have a hometown kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's probably probably the only changes we'll see is younger guys coming up yeah, because cause... they've been hammered by those suitor and Parisi buyouts. Which they now, the next two seasons, will have 15 million, nearly 15 million in dead cap on those two buyouts. Which is brutal. Um, I get it, but that's that's a rough one to swallow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- th- I think it's, it's, it's kind of hard to see them changing dramatically in the standings because their team is the exact same. Yeah, but... um, I don't think anyone from Minnesota had like a weird standout season where they were just surprisingly good based or can, given their career averages. Um, I think a couple of players, notably Matt Boldy, um, had some really bad luck. Hmm. And they just, like the team had trouble scoring quite often. And uh, I think some players like Matt Boldy, who had a great season, I mean, 63 points in 81 games. But um, there were times where the five-on-five scoring, I think there was a whole stretch in, in like, February or something where the team didn't yeah. score for, like, three weeks five-on-five when Kaprizov wasn't on the ice. Yeah, it was insane. It was a really weird stat where, mm-hmm. like, they could not score without like Kaprizov this, like we're talking out there. games, like, five-plus yeah. games. So they didn't really do anything to to address the lack of scoring and they're kind of just hoping i guess that other players that have better luck well i think they added marcus johansson at the deadline last year and he looked like he was a pretty good fit and 18 i think points in 20 games and i think hartman started turning his year around mm-hmm. a bit near the end of the season um so i think that they're just hoping that that deadline addition in in mojo will help him out um but yeah, I mean, like they look pretty much identical to they do uh, than they did at the end of the season. So I don't know. I think it probably comes down to their goaltending. They re-signed uh, Philip Gustafson, and they've got Flurry as a backup, I guess now. So can Gustafson be as good as he was last year? Is Flurry going to be as bad as he was last year? Like, are they going to be one A, one B? Like, what's going to happen in net? Um, and then their defense is can can they absorb that loss of uh, Matt Dumba? Um, I know people may, might have soured on him there near the end of his tenure there, but I don't know if they've got a guy that's ready to jump into that spot for that he previously had. No, no, that's going to be the tricky part because I mean, their their depth on the left. I think Dumba's a left left defender. I think so. Like it's Jacob Middleton and John Merrill and like that's i mean middleton maybe but he's not he doesn't possess the same play style that dumba had no he's yeah. more defensive dumba's got more dynamism in his game he's more two-way 
So that will be an interesting hole to fill and to figure out how they'll address that and and keep their defensive depth because it does look a little bit weak right now. You know, they've got one of the better pairings in the league with Brodeen and Spurgeon. But behind that, it's quite shallow. Yeah. Yeah, they've got Kalen Addison that needs a contract still. Could probably be around league min. I think he had a promising start on the power play, but woof, looked pretty rough five on five. And um, yeah, we'll see um, if he gets re-signed. But, you know, I, th- I don't think they should be pinning their um, defensive upswing on a rookie in Faber. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It seems like they're going to be probably worse defensively. Um, and they'll, I think maybe fans will realize like the extent of what Dumba did on that blue line. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's tough. Cause it's like Gustafson has been like his uh, every other year in the league. I think he's been like pretty low games, an okay save percentage. And then last year he just like explodes. Yeah. I mean, he goes and plays 39 games. 210 goals against average, 931 save percentage. Like, he's near the top of the league in, in goals saved above average. Like, he had an incredible stretch. Now, like, is that going to be sustainable? I don't know. Like, that's... It's so far... I mean, he's the main guy that would have had a season that's so far removed from his, like, career trajectory. I mean, he only had two other seasons, mind you, but... That's that's kind of like his... his he played more games this season than he had in the previous two combined. Yeah, so, I mean, they they re-sign him to a contract. I don't remember what the details are, but um, is he the guy? Three by 3.75. Yeah, so that's not an absurd amount of money, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't know. I think they got kind of some question marks in net, question marks on the blue line, and question marks up front still because if Kaprizov's not rolling or he gets hurt like he did at the end of the season – um. Thank you, uh, Logan Stanley. That was a bullshit play. <laughs> Jumps on his back, basically. Um, yeah, they don't have the depth to score. I don't know if they've got the defense and goaltending to keep the puck out of their own net. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like they're going to be kind of like middle of the pack. A little bit worse than last season, yeah. Yeah. Like maybe a wild, wild card team. Sorry for the pun, but I don't know. I, like... I don't think they're good enough to be like really in contention of winning the division, but they're not bad enough to be like at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So I might be like a bit of a cop out, but I feel somewhere, like yeah, be somewhere between somewhere, third and fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Like middle of the pack. Yeah. I see them like maybe having a bit of an edge on like, you know, Nashville and St. Louis, but maybe pretty equivalent with like the jets. Like, I think that's, that's the, yeah, that's a fair placement. Because they, their roster, like quite frankly, they have too many good players to be like bad. It, I think, it really comes down to this that dead cap. Mm-hmm. Well, like if they had that fifth, what is it, fifteen million? An, yeah, that's an entire second line right there. Yeah, if they had that money to play with, I think they could really upgrade some of their lines, or they could they could fix that gap in the D. Like they could go out and get. Or they could have kept Dumba, mm-hmm. or they could have just went out and got somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's they've really kind of hamstrung themselves. I think it's it's impressive that they're doing as good as they are with that 
buyout penalty. But sooner or later, that's going to come to bite you. Yeah. Like, so, like, how nice would that be for them to just have, I mean, I guess they would have Parisi and Suter on the books, but I don't know. It's rough. I don't know. Yeah, I see them as being kind of, yeah, like you said, third to fifth, Mm -hmm. I think is kind of an accurate spot for them. Is there anything else you want to add there? Not for Minnesota, no. Okay, well, we'll move on to the Nashville Predators. Um, they finished last season 42-32-8 with 92 points, a .561 points percentage, fifth in the division, 18th in the league. So kind of middle of the pack for the league for them. Um, and they have shaken things up um, both in – front office uh head coach roster they've really kind of changed it's kind of one of the most dramatic um dramatic periods of change in the franchise's history the amount of turnover everywhere like to to have the change gm for the you know how long have they been a team 25 years yeah first time ever for first you know first time they've got to change a gm with um poil retiring and barry trotz taking over Mm -hmm. and they you know he or they made a very quick um mark on the team trading out a whole bunch of guys bringing in a whole bunch of draft picks like getting some clear clear direction and and on what barry trotz wants out of the team and what the team's going to look like yeah so you want to you've got the uh, list of of the big moves because they've got they've made quite a few changes yeah well let's start with who they they kind of got rid of um because we already mentioned some of them um but they they bought they bought out matt duchene they traded ryan johansson for like i think it was future considerations essentially it was alex kalchenyuk and then they didn't sign him mm-hmm. um which is you know two two out of their top six so they they dramatically shook things up um and then uh they they brought in ryan o'reilly uh luke shen gustav nyquist dennis Kurianov. i'm not sure if there's anybody that i'm missing here um i feel like there's more changes that they've done i think that's it for off-season moves yeah, because Barry was trade deadline. Uh, Jeremy Lozon, but I think he was there before, wasn't he? And then I guess going into the last season, like they made that big trade. Um, yeah, Lozon was there for a while already. Where they uh, traded out um, Tanner Janot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely a, a different makeup for their team. Uh, apparently, Barry Trotz was trying super hard to move up in the draft, too. Um so I don't know who they were going to be moving out for that, but um, they made some, I think, some minor deals at the trade or the, at the draft, um, and uh, gave some contracts out to some of these veterans. Um, so it's kind of interesting because they had some veterans that they just parted with, and then kind of, I think they gave Ryan O'Reilly a bunch of money, um, and he. I think he showed he's valuable player still in like playoffs and with his time in Toronto, but before that he he didn't look super great in St. Louis last year. Yeah. Yeah, I 
because he was one of the he was definitely one of the players that was targeted, I guess, for for struggling at times when St. Louis wasn't doing great. But um, he still has a valuable skill set for a team that might, you know, it, they're they're going to go through a rebuild. I think. Yeah. So yeah. he still has a valuable valuable skill set for a team that's doing that. If he's maybe he won't be as offensively talented, but the defensive, the faceoffs, that'll just help them compete a little bit better or a little bit differently. Yeah. When they might not have like the superpower offensive talent or the high end talent. Yeah. Just to give someone who can at least contribute on the other side of the puck. Someone who can help teach some of the younger guys that defensive side of things too. Like he's you know, we talk about the veteran pedigree, he's got the cup. Yeah. Team you know, former captain, like he's got all that stuff. So maybe it's a bit high, a bit of a long term, but it's probably worth it for what the next few years for the Predators <clears throat> franchise is gonna look like. Yeah, I think that you can say this much of the same things for Luke Shen. Mm-hmm. Right? Like a guy who's been kind of a consummate professional um, been around the block, won a couple cups as like a seventh guy. Yeah, and someone um, who's very done a very good job at adapting his game. Yeah, because he was kind of came in at the tail end of that like big, big physical defender, demon. Yeah, you know, clutch and grab. But then the league changed, and now he's adjusted his game well enough to stay relevant through all of these years. Yeah, and he continually gets contracts and gets teams interested in him because he's yeah. adjusted to be able to to play in a different defensive era yeah absolutely i it's interesting because ryan o'reilly and luke shan were both obviously on the leafs um they were trade deadline acquisitions um and both of them move on um i think there was a lot made about the ryan o'reilly one but maybe less so about luke shen but i'm a little personally sad that he didn't stay with toronto because i i really liked the storyline of like he got drafted by Toronto, didn't really work out because he was playing that older style game and then moved on and then like was successful in other franchises and then came back and then in playoffs was like their second best defenseman mm-hmm. and like showed that like, I thought it was just cool, like a cool storyline, oh, sure. right? Um, I just would have liked him to stay there but I totally get why he would have moved on and the fact that Toronto has no cap. And so this is probably Luke Shen's last chance at getting like, you know, kind of a a payday and he's bounced around quite a bit and it's nice to get some stability. Mm -hmm. Um, But that one, I was a little kind of sad to see him go somewhere else, but again, totally get it. Um, But the Ryan O'Reilly one, like he was like saying like part of his decision was impacted by like the media just like how much of a carousel it is in Toronto. Um, I also think like he just like, if you see him off the ice, like he just looks like a Nashville kind of guy. Like, you know, like he, like he wears like all Western style stuff. And like, he look he, like he plays music and it's, it's kind of like Duchesne. Like Duchesne was like into country. And I think that really impacted his reason for signing there. And so I think, for Ryan O'Reilly, it makes sense too. Like smaller market, fun town, fits kind of like his vibe, so to speak. And then, yeah, it's like less pressure than yep. being in Toronto. Which I think was very publicly made a reason why he didn't yeah. want to stay in Toronto was 
was the media pressure, was the fan pressure, was the environment. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think he's got yeah. his cup, like you mentioned. It's like he doesn't want to be a part of that yeah, whole hitting, shit show hitting the tail Toronto. end of his career, potentially his last contract. Like, why would he want to stay in an environment that's just going to be a pressure cooker of reminding him that he's getting older and his game's falling off? Yeah. So go like, to a place where it's more about just playing hockey and yeah. win games when you can. No pressure if you get into playoffs and lose. And get it, just even getting into playoffs would be would be a success. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see um, how he fits into the lineup because um, Nashville, like you said, has a bunch of kind of like prospects and younger guys that they had cracked the lineup last year. Um, and some of them had some pretty exciting years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see if he plays with them or if they have like a veteran line or whatever. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's just, it's kind of a real turning point for them to really say like, we're not, we're not winning. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interestingly, just looking at their forwards, Ryan O'Reilly is their highest paid forward. Oh, I think Forsberg might be. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's Forsberg, on IR, he's on right? IR, right. Okay, there's Forsberg, but then, yeah, after that, it's like O'Reilly is their highest paid forward. A bunch of league men in the ELC and they, guys. Yes, they've got like eight forwards on their roster making under a million dollars. So it's just like an interesting <laughs> breakdown of their forwards. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty weird composition of your team. Um I think, yeah, their money's probably tied up in what? Saros, Yossi, McDonough. Forsberg. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot McDonough was there. But, yeah, their defense looks pretty different than it did a year ago or two years ago, I guess. It got Yossi, McDonough, Barry, <laughs> Luke Shen. Like, it's an interesting mix. Um, But, yeah, so overall, what do you think? Do you think that they got better? Do you think they got worse? Um, I think they I think they're getting worse. I think they're they have like the kind of that weird like the the pesky they're they're going to be hard to beat, I think. And I think the mentality that's going to come top down from Barry Trotz is going to help this team do better than they might look on paper. But um Oh, we should mention too they added Brunette. Yeah, and yeah, Brunette's the new head coach. And he, you know, he did well in his his when he took over Florida. Mhm. But uh, I think the mentality that's going to come down from those guys is going to help them do better than they might look on paper. But I also think that the roster is getting worse. So they might be the team that's hard to beat that just kind of like causes chaos, the wildcard team. Yeah. But um, they probably won't be serious contenders for playoffs or even a wildcard spot. Do you think that they're better than the Arizona Coyotes? Yes. (laughs) I think they're better than... I think they're better than the Coyotes because literally just because of Yossi and Saros. Yeah, that's a good point. That the Coyotes don't have anyone that's a matchup against that. Yeah. That level of star power and the game changer ability that those two have. Yeah, that's a fair point. Because, I mean, otherwise, I think Arizona's forwards are actually better than Nashville's right now. Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's what I've got written down here for Nashville for question marks is just scoring. Yeah. Like, I, I think. And I actually had a thought when I was on my way over to record today, but it's um, we might see a year for Yossi that is comparable to Carlson's year he just had, where he is the offense. Yeah. And he could get, like, maybe not 100 points, but he's been kind of in that realm before. Yeah, he's easily a point per game. So when, when he has to take on more of the offensive burden, it wouldn't be surprising to see him put up an extra 10 points. 
Yeah. So, like, I mean, like, Carlson last year, like... Oh, well, actually, I mean, he had 96 points. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's been like, in I the realm. He was he's, that been, close. he's been... Like, when he won that um, Norris, it was because he just went beast mode, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he could, he could just be Eric Carlson next year, where it's just going to rack up points um because he is the only guy on the team that can really Literally. like consistently score um so that might be kind of interesting to keep an eye on but yeah i don't think that they're going to be in contention but i think yeah they're they're going to be a not an easy to beat team i think that's a good point um but also not going to be one that's winning mm-hmm. more than they did you know like a few years ago when they were actually like in contention yeah cup final yeah um yeah so i think like they're they're holdovers from that cup final like they've got what like yossi forsberg saros i think was a backup um that's probably pretty close to being it um so um I wonder what would have happened with if uh, Ryan Johansson didn't have like that compartment syndrome going into that finals um, against Pittsburgh. Um, it's, it's a shame that that happened. Um, anyway, we'll move on to Ryan O'Reilly's former team, twice removed, I guess, the St. Louis Blues. So last year they had a 37-38-8 and record with 81 points. points percentage finished sixth in the division and 23rd in the league so a season probably to forget for them definitely Um, a change from what we're used to for them yeah at the big big storyline last year obviously was was trading out vlad tarasenko to the rangers and um they've really they've been pretty quiet in the off season i would say like they haven't done anything crazy. Like they they yeah. brought back Sundqvist, so he's he's back. They brought back uh, Mackenzie McEckern, who was had a cup of coffee in Carolina during playoffs. They brought in Gaudette and Malcolm Subban and Kevin Hayes. Yeah, and the Kevin Hayes trade, and they kept Tory Krug. Um. So. I don't know. I mean, like, they're pretty much the same team. Yeah, it, it's the same the same key players that yeah. they had, you know, in the last 20-whatever games of last season. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like much should change. Um, they have an expensive defensive core, and they've got Robert Thomas and Kairou up front. Yeah. And, who, and who still knows? have Bennington in that. Yeah, who knows? Like, I was just going to look at that, but, like, how is their goaltending thing going to work out? Because, you know, Bennington, Bennington's incredibly inconsistent mm-hmm. and has been all over the place since getting, you know, since his rookie season, basically. Yeah. And now their backup is Joel Hofer, who had a few really good games. Yeah. But he's not proven i mean it's the same the same conversation we had when when it was huso to be fair yeah, but for um, sure that's going to be such a huge question mark when like their defense despite having a good on paper defense was 
kind of hit and miss at times, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that some of those deals look a little rough. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the one, the main one I'm looking at is Pareko, six and a half million for seven more seasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's already looking like overpayment and he's still at the beginning of it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, there's Krug, um, which I think you didn't like that signing to begin with, if I remember correctly. Um, and they've got Krug, Falk, and Pareko, I think, all locked up. All for six and a half million. Krug and Falk for four more years. Pareko for six or seven. Pardon me. So that's that's an expensive top three. Yeah, it's kind of a bit of a boat anchor. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of kind of tough to to get around that. Yeah. Um But up front, like they've got. They've got some talented guys up front. They have um, they have a line. Yeah. You know, between between Kairu, Bukniewicz, Shen and Thomas, you know, three of them can form a line and be really good point per yeah. game. But beyond that it kind of drops drastically down to barely second line level. Yeah, I mean they've got like what like Braden Shen. Yeah. Um and then, you know, Brandon <laughs> Saad. But yeah. They don't they don't have much for depth scoring at all. So it's hard to see them. It's hard to see them doing very well. Yeah. Like I, I for, even though they have better names, better players on their roster, I, I see them being worse than Nashville again. Yeah. Unless Thomas and Cairo just light the world. Yeah, on unless fire. they suddenly become 90, hundred points. Yeah. Scores. Unless they suddenly turn into, yeah, like insane mode. I don't think that they're really going to be, sniffing playoffs no not in this division no there's there's four other teams that are much better suited for that than than st louis right now yeah yeah i mean i think like do i even have any question marks written down for them no it's just like the same yeah (laughs) depth scoring top end defense lacking goaltending issues yeah I i think that's really all there is to it um and I don't know what the solution is for them because they were rumored. Like, I mean, like the Krug, Krug not waving his no trade, I think really kind of screwed them over. But that's also why guys have no trades, just yeah. because they don't want to be traded to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which is fair because who would want to go there right now? Exactly. And a player like Krug, like I can, I can foresee issues right off the bat between him and Torts. Yeah, and like he's also been very very close to winning a cup a couple times but hasn't won because i don't think he was there when they won right he came after he was on boston when they played them in the finals and then came over i think so um so he's been close but hasn't Mm -hmm. won so i don't like why would he want to go to philly because he still probably wants to win Mm -hmm. so and i'm i don't know at this point but st louis is probably closer winning a cup than philadelphia is um, for sure but and i mean at this point too he's also 32 he's probably on his last deal why would he want to uproot himself again he's probably yeah, just exactly. you know, gets his family settled in why would he want to uproot and go to philly yeah absolutely like, no i'll stay here yeah um so yeah i mean like they've kind of got some of the guys who've been there before back and otherwise it's very similar to the same team and 
I don't know. Yeah, I think 81 points last year. Maybe they are around that point again. Should be unless they suddenly find, you know, unless they get, you know, Bennington on a hot streak or Kyrou and Thomas go, you know, crazy and put up 90, 100 points. Yeah, or someone comes out of nowhere on their in their prospect pool and just scores 40 yeah, <laughs> or something. Something, like, something crazy. Who knows? It's, um, it's realistic to assume they'll probably finish with about the same record. I don't think they're they're worse and they're not a bad team. It's just they're not built to compete. Yeah, right and now. they got rid of one of their best guys last year. Yeah. So, like, they're kind of on the downswing. Below 500 last year, probably around 500 again. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the last team in the division, the Winnipeg Jets. They've had a bit of a spicy offseason season. Um, they finished last year with a 46-33 and 3 record, 95 points, a .579 points percentage, 4th in the division, 14th in the league. Um the big big thing was the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Um they traded him out to LA and got Gabe Velarde, Rasmus Kupari, Alex Iafalo back. Um they brought back um Brossois as a backup goalie. They also said goodbye to Blake Wheeler. I think they bought him out. Um, and then David Riddick, their backup from last season, is also on his way out. Um, they've since re-signed Gabe Velarde. He was a pending RFA. Um, I think the other two guys are signed. Kupari and I follow, I think, was just a had a contract in place. Yeah, I think Kupari just signed. Okay. Um but yeah, they're all they're all signed at this point. Yeah, I think we we've talked about the the Pierre Luc Dubois trade before. Um, we like it for both teams. Yeah, um, and specifically for Winnipeg, like they go and fill three roster spots for one. Basically, they lose the quality of player, but what they're getting back. I think we looked at some of like the underlying numbers that they basically replaced what Dubois contributed anyways. Yeah, like Velarde, I think Gase's 5-on-5 numbers were The better. same, if not better, yeah. And then he got, like, no power play time in, um, in L.A., and so maybe in Winnipeg he can light it up on the power yeah, play. Yeah, because he's going to be probably on the second pairing or the second power play unit at worst. Maybe yeah. even get some time on the first. Yeah, because I think Dubois probably parked in front of the net and then Wheeler was probably on that one of those units too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's definitely a spot available. Um, and so there's also some some rumblings this offseason that, like, Mark Shifley might get moved. And obviously Connor Hellebuck said that um, at this point in his career, he does he wants to be competing for a Stanley Cup. So a lot of people think that he is going to get moved. Um, but... Uh, I actually don't mind their team, like, on paper. Like, they look like they're, like, not not that bad. Yeah, that's been, honestly, that's been my view on them for, like, the last three seasons. And they've kind of, when they've kind of been going through this rough patch. Is that they're always looking better on paper than they perform. And they, they had, like, a real rough patch last season. And if they had ended that a little sooner, they probably would have made playoffs um did they they did they miss no they they made it and they got beat by vegas in the first round sorry yeah and then they, they got, just gave they up wiped. they didn't play they didn't didn't try they basically yeah, um, they just got wiped so sorry yeah i remember now um if they had won more of those games they probably would have had a better 
seeding, and they wouldn't have played the eventual Stanley Cup champs in the first round. Yeah. Maybe would have had a more successful playoff. Maybe wouldn't have had such the big blowout that they did um, between uh, Bonus and the guys on the team. Yeah. But, um, you know, you mentioned that blowout between coach and players there. For years, it's kind of been rum- like rumored rumblings about the the toxic locker room like wheeler being kind of yeah. one of the key you know players behind that behind creating the toxicity but uh if the team consistently underperforms based off what they look like they should be able to do you know you kind of look, start looking and maybe that culture on the team is one of the reasons why so you know is getting rid of just wheeler enough to change it it might be i mean is it <clears throat> I feel like it's a, it's at least a step in the right direction. I think Mark Shifley might be part of that group, um, but maybe removing Wheeler from the picture turns Shifley around and makes him a more positive person to be around mm-hmm. because he's been, for lack of a better term, a whiny bitch in the media, um, like clearly at odds with coaching. Um, and maybe if you get Wheeler out, he feels less prone to do that. Yeah, it gives him because he's if he's not the if he's the only one acting like that, then he kind of maybe I hate the term, but falls in line. Yeah, I mean, like look at like Josh Morrissey had like the best year of his career last year. Bonus, like I don't know if it was all bonus or or what, but like something really clicked there and. I mean, they were calling it like Josh Norrissey, right? Oh, yeah, because like, he, um, like, early in the season, first half of the year, he was the, the leading candidate, I think. Yeah, he had a hell of a year. Um, and so it's like maybe he's maybe he's the captain, right? Like maybe, maybe he's the new voice in the room. Yeah. You get some new blood in there. You've got a different culture. You know, Shifley might be like, you know what? I got to either ship up or shape out, right? And, like, he might want to be traded might request a trade or something mm-hmm. or maybe he already has but there is a chance that he just says you know what i'm being a bit of a you know what here i'm gonna do better yeah that, there's a possibility that it works right and i think if it does he's a great player to have on your team oh for sure the but guy if, he's he's one of the most consistent players in the league yeah and last year he scored more goals yeah it was his that was his career high 42 yeah but like over the last one, two, three, four, five, like eight seasons, he's consistently, with the exact, consistently about a seventy to eighty point pace, which is great. Which is like that's that's incredible. Yeah. So I think like that's really kind of the linchpin of this whole thing is like, does Shifley stick around, and then what do you do with Hellebuck? Yeah. Because it's like if Shifley stays, I think you're more competitive. And, and this roster does look like a roster that can compete. It's filled out well enough. The only real question mark that's been there for a couple of seasons is defensive depth. Yeah. And that's, you know, depending on how Hellebuck plays, that's been covered by Connor Hellebuck on a regular basis. Yeah, for sure. Because, um, yeah, they've got, like, some good good talented forwards. They've got Morrissey. Um, but after that, definitely falls off a bit on D. Um so yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough because they're kind of at a crossroads here, and like they could go either way. They could commit and try to compete and be a good team, or they could just 
sell everything. Yeah. And uh, through the season, that's kind of going to kind of be the whole thing to watch out of this probably this entire division is if the jets start well then they probably keep everybody but like yeah it could end up being if you know it doesn't work out it could end up being a fire sale at the deadline where they're shipping out shifley and hellebuck yeah i've um and actually like someone like nikolai ehlers yeah who is routinely underutilized yeah for his skill set so like he's another one that would probably be like yeah can i go too because i'm not getting the chance yeah two different coaches have never used that guy Mm -hmm. like i don't understand he's such a good player i know he's hurt a lot um but his 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 numbers his scoring rates are like with the best of them and he never gets a chance to utilize it yeah i know and he's never on power play one it's really annoying and maybe that's a wheeler thing his name's too close to mine. We can't be on the same unit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like moving Wheeler was like the right thing, mm-hmm. um, or buying him out rather. Um, we can only have positive repercussions <laughs> in the in the team. Um, but now, yeah, it's just a matter of like, was that a half measure or was that the whole thing? Because if it's if you got to get rid of Shifley too, you should do it as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah, just so that the new guys in the room don't rip, get poisoned by that. Rip the band-aid off. Yeah, exactly. Just cold turkey, get rid of it all. Um, but if Shifley is able to turn it around and get his act together and be less of a a-hole, then you can maybe salvage the roster and try to be more competitive. Because yeah. it would suck to have to break it all down when like, you might be one or two pieces away from like really having a solid team. Um, I mean, like, like, look at Pittsburgh when they won their cup, like their first one in 2017, not their first cup ever, but like of recent history at their back to back, they had no defense. I think Chris Letang was hurt that year. Right. So they had like Brian Dumoulin and that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. They had like Chad Ruedel playing on their team in defense. Um, and I think, uh, they were able to win like yep. without defense. So it's like, if you, if you get in there and like, you have like your guys rolling, you have a good team. Like that was the thing with Pittsburgh. Like they had like the best, maybe not the most skilled team, but they had like the best team. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like they were like, yeah, there's a difference. Like the most skilled roster, but like the team aspect. Yeah. Like they it. were, like, they were, they worked as a team. They knew their weaknesses. They worked to, to keep the opponent, from capitalizing on that weakness, they were driving the play the other way all the time. Mm-hmm. And they were able to be like, you know, like we're, our D is going to get murdered if we keep in our zone. So let's get the puck down that end as much as possible, score off the rush, whatever. Right. Um, so if they can figure that out, I think they'll, they'll be in a good place, but it could go either way for the jets. Yep. So it's kind of hard to tell where they're going to go, but with their team on paper, which is all we can really look at right now, I think that they're going to be, kind of in that top end of the middle yeah like Like it should be it should be wild card competition like they might be able to push themselves to that third wild to the third division spot yeah but that's entirely dependent on how on how the like the new the new look jets essentially like the new culture the new dynamic works yeah and it's funny that you mentioned like new look because i have seen a rumor that they're going to go back to their um heritage look full-time Ooh which would be awesome. Be, yeah, that'd be cool. So like they're they wore it at like a winter classic against Calgary a few years ago, the white version. 
and there's like the dark navy mm-hmm. with the red. That'd be a good one. They might go to that. So it's like they could have a actual new look, new old look. Um, but those jerseys are so nice. I hope that they do that because I think like the roundel, like the, the Canadian Air Force roundel is kind of cool, but like I've never really loved the jersey. But those other one, those heritage jerseys are are up there for sure. Yeah, they're they're good. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think you and I might differ a little bit on like the the top end of this, but um, you so who do you see at the top? Colorado. It, yeah, like I <laughs> yeah. see Colorado at the top, and like again being about this about as good as they were last year, with about the same record. Yeah, but just because of the teams around them being, you know, potentially better or worse, like Colorado's probably the most reliable pick to win the division. Yeah. Because I mean their main competition being Dallas, I say could regress a bit, mm-hmm. but like you could be you could be onto something too with with the way the roster's developing the younger players and stuff taking over. I mean it all depends on their on their play like even if they they take that number of overtime losses and win a few more of those, they they could win the division. Yeah, but yeah, like their that one point can make a difference. Their defense, <clears throat> I do see it as a, a bit of a gap, but I just see them improving offensively. But there's a lot of assumptions in there that everyone stays the same or gets better. Yeah, so that is never the case. So, um. I, yeah, I see it between those two, yeah, for sure. Colorado yeah. and Dallas, I think, are going to be one and two. Then I think the middle, the next, the next tier is is mostly between Minnesota and Winnipeg, mm-hmm. with followed closely by like Nashville, St. Louis, but yeah. you know, in a clear another tier of their own. Yeah, and then obviously Arizona, Chicago at the bottom. Yeah, so this time next year, it's obviously going to be. Arizona's won won the division. <laughs> and then uh <laughs> Wouldn't that Colorado be and Dallas miss playoffs and it's you know, St. Louis, Nashville, Arizona, wouldn't, Chicago. Wouldn't that be quite the story? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean that's what's fun about it, right? Is like you can predict all you want, but at the end of the day it's gonna be something nobody expects and some teams that made playoffs last year are gonna fall out of playoff contention and teams that missed last year are gonna get in. Mm-hmm. It's it's never the same, which is awesome that wraps things up for this time here on clappercast make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way for more content you can follow us on facebook or instagram at clappercast media or on twitter at clappercast thank you all for tuning in and we'll be back next week with more hockey talk